Good morning and welcome for our, to our sermon for today. The resurrection focused live on the promises of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls. May you remind us of the love you have for us. May you strengthen us, particularly during these times. May we see the comfort you are giving us, the guidance you are providing us, and the future you have made possible for us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today our focus is living on the promises of God. That's what me and you do as disciples of Jesus. We are called to live on God's promises. For those promises to be our number one primary motivating factor. And so I have two questions for you to think about as we begin this sermon to reflect on. The first of is what is it that gets you going or keeps you going? For instance, what gets you up in the morning? And what, when life is ordinary or gets difficult, what encourages you not to give in? This week I read a story of a Dr James Campbell whose mother died at 64 from diabetes and Dr Campbell had dedicated the rest of his life because of a promise he made to his mum that he was going to tr work as hard as possible to discover, to discover a solution to diabetes and that's what he's been doing. For over 20 years he's been focused on finding a solution to diabetes and that's what gets him up in the morning, that's what keeps him going, that promise he made to his mum. So what about you? What are the things that get you up in the morning? What are the things that you, keeps you going, especially when life is difficult? And the second question I'd encourage you to think about and ponder on is this. How does God make your life different? How is your life different because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave? The resurrected Jesus exists. How is your life different because Jesus has risen? Not just different in the future, but different now. How does that change your life now? Or how is God calling you to be different, to live differently in this world? Our focus for today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. And that's actually the final part of Peter's sermon just after Pentecost. It's a, an important sermon for us to reflect on. And last week we reflected on a few verses, or a few earlier verses from this sermon. If, recall, if you recall last week's context for the sermon, Pentecost had just happened. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been given and revealed to the disciples and the followers of Jesus. And now Peter has got up to speak and he's basically started off by saying, take notice, as you, these things that have happened, that people speaking in languages that they never learn this is not from the world this is from God and then he goes on to quote Joel to show that this has all been a prophecy from God that God was going to come into the world in a way that they had never experienced before and then we spoke about last week how the resurrection of Jesus is the key to life and then just after that section of the sermon Paul Peter then goes on to talk about how Jesus is now ascended into heaven at the Father's right hand. But then today, we're going to look at verses 36 to 41, where we see God's promises calls us to have a response. 
And then next week we'll look at verses 42 to 47. What happens after Peter's sermon where the Christians gather together, support each other and encourage each other which is actually a message for us as the Christian church, is not to be individual Christians, but to be Christians who live together and work together. Now that's difficult during these times, isn't it? Because we have to think differently. And some of us have been thinking differently. And so we'll explore that more deeper this week. But this week we're going to focus on God's promises and our response. Our key two verses from our reading today are this. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Here's something to think about. If you are confronted with the fact that you had done something bad to someone, how would you expect them or their followers to react to you? If you were confronted with the fact that you had done something bad to someone, how would you expect them to react to you? Or how would you expect their followers to react to you? And what if it turned out that someone happened to be very powerful? Well, this is exactly what happened, what Peter was presenting before the Jewish community. Listen to that opening verse from verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter here is revealing to the community that the person they have crucified is in fact the one God had anointed. God had called Lord and Messiah. How would you feel if you were in that crowd and you were part of that Jewish group? Well, we see how some of them reacted, don't we? We see that some of them reacted go, well, what shall we do? And they're probably petrified. Now, this is not new in the scriptures. If you go way back in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 50, we see a story of Joseph where his brothers who had originally sold him, sold him into slavery, have now discovered that Joseph is in probably the second most powerful position in Egypt and they need help. And they are petrified. But Joseph shows them grace, just like God shows us grace. But before we go there, it's important to remember this, that this passage, although talking to the Jewish community there, also talks to each of us. It's important to remember that we are included in those who are responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. And you'll discover this if you read further in the New Testament. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, you'll hear this. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And if you go to Romans, we hear that Jesus suffered and died for us even whilst we were still sinners. And so it's important to think, remember, that it's not somebody else that has put Jesus to the cross, but it's you and me. Each of us, through our sinful nature, our sinful actions, 
have led Jesus to the cross. And so that's why we encourage you to have a regular time of confession. And a good way to think about confession is this. It's it's time to consider what you have done or haven't done that meant Jesus had to be crucified. So every time you have worship and every morning when you have a prayer, think about your sins. Think about where you failed to love God and failed to love others, either through your actions or inactions. And consider those things as what led Jesus to the cross. So what's the solution? If we've led Jesus to the cross, the sol- Peter reveals to us and he reveals to that early community the solution. Listen to what he says. He says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. From Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Now when it comes to repentance, some people have a one-off view of repentance. In other words, they think repentance is just about them saying sorry to God once. But it's not. Repentance is not just saying sorry to God. Repentance, if you look at the Greek word for repentance and the Hebrew word for repentance, it means a whole change of mind, heart and life. And a good way to think about repentance, particularly in today's context, the context of today's reading, is this. It means a change of mind, heart and life from whom and what we trust to trusting Jesus. You see, in the context that Peter was speaking into, the preaching into, the people of those days weren't calling Jesus Lord, they were calling Caesar Lord. And if they didn't call Caesar Lord, they are under threat to lose their life or to at least be severely bashed. And what Peter is saying here is we're to call Jesus Lord, to put our trust in Jesus because he is the supreme authority, the the one that has power over everything. And so I encourage you to think about that, that repentance is about having a complete change of mind, heart and life from whom and what you trust to trusting Jesus. So every day, take time to think about who and what am I trusting? Do my thoughts, my decisions, my actions show they are more important than Jesus? This is part of the repentance process. Martin Luther actually encouraged us to have a daily time of repentance. He said this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. One of constantly turning to Jesus looking at Jesus and trusting Jesus. And so I encourage you to do the same, that every morning or every evening, have a quiet time with God, and in that quiet time, reflect on your day or reflect on the day before and think about, have I truly trusted God? Confess the sins and then ask for God's help to live a life more focused on Jesus. But there's another part to Peter's sermon there's another gift not only do we get the forgiveness of sins that jesus is offering but we also get the gift of the holy spirit now for some people the gift of the holy spirit is a bit ambiguous and a bit scary 
But I want to share with you three passages which help us see more clearly what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first is from John chapter 14, verses 25 to 26. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says this, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The gift of the Holy Spirit means that we'll continue to be taught about Jesus, about God, but we'll also be continued reminded about what Jesus has said and what he's done. The second passage comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which again, it's Jesus speaking, and it's just before he ascends, and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is what enables me and you to be witnesses, to reflect God's love, to share God's love, to help others know about God's love. And so I encourage you to be open to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, a gift that was given to you at your baptism, a gift that is continually given to you as you open the scriptures, as you attend Bible studies, as you attend worship and listen to God's word and take seriously what he says. Because God is equipping you for life on earth, to help you to live as his disciples. The third passage comes from John chapter 20, verses 22 to 23. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What a wonderful passage for us to hear and to be reminded about that the Holy Spirit helps us live a life of forgiveness, of sharing God's forgiveness in this world where forgiveness is not a high priority. If I think about the news over the last few weeks, there are some people who certainly don't understand or desire forgiveness to be a key priority. But that's God's priority. And I'm very thankful that's God's priority for me. And I'm very thankful that that's God's priority for you. God's priority for you and for me is not to to condemn us, not to shame us, but to, to forgive us. And he's also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to help others see that. God's promise of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit also is not just for a select few. It wasn't just for those people who had gathered around there. It wasn't just for the disciples but it was for everyone. Did you hear that passage near the end at verse 39? Where Peter says, this promise, this promise of forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now for the Jewish people there, what they may have been thinking, they may have been thinking, well, it's for our Jewish fellow Jewish people even those who are some distance from us today, maybe kilometres away. But when we go further into Acts, what we see is what God was actually saying. This gift of the Holy Spirit is for all people. Later in Acts, we see a story where the Gentiles received the gift of the Holy Spirit and people were amazed. They didn't expect it. And so think about what that could mean 
for you and for me. Sometimes as Christians, sometimes as Lutherans, we limit God's work to amongst us. But God is calling us to constantly be his witnesses to the entire world and to recognise that all people throughout the world have been offered this gift. It doesn't mean all will get the benefit of that gift because they need to receive it. They need to, to repent. And so what does this mean for us? What does our thoughts today mean for us to live on the promises of God? Well, I would say the first one is particularly for those who believe in Jesus and are not baptised. I'd encourage you to speak to your pastor about being baptised, to give myself a call or somebody else a call and be baptised. Being baptised is one of the calls that Peter has for this community. Now, if you've been baptised as an infant, you're already baptised. You don't need to be re-baptised again. God has been at work in your life pouring down his Holy Spirit on you. But what you may need to do is be opened and re to listen to God more clearly and spend more time with God. The second thing is, every day, have a time of reflection, a time where you think about your day and week, a time where you think about, this, do my thoughts, do my decisions, do my actions reflect that Jesus is my Lord? And where they're not, confess, repent and seek God's help. The third thing that living on the promises of God encourages us, us to do is be a person who's always learning from Jesus. Constantly live your life wanting to learn from Jesus. Have at the heart of your life this desire to connect with Jesus, to read his scriptures, to reflect on them. And you do this through reading the Bible, through our daily Bible readings, through worship like we're doing now and like we do most Sundays, and through studying, spending time in a Bible study. And I encourage you to join us on our Zoom Bible studies if you can. The fourth thing is, live your life with the primary focus of being a witness for Jesus. Recognise that God has forgiven you, God has given you a future, and he does give you a purpose. Not so you can earn that future, but you already have that future. But he's given you a purpose of, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, a purpose of revealing his love and forgiveness to the people around you. And think about what it may mean. I'd encourage you now, today after today's worship, is to, to take a few moments and reflect on what does it mean to reveal God's love and forgiveness to the people I'm currently mixing with. What might that look like and what help might I need? And importantly, as we finish today, remember this. The promises of God, the promises of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit is for all who God calls. It's for everyone. Not for a select group of people, but for everyone. For you and for me. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May your spirit continually work in us. May we be open to what you're doing and the promises you have made to us. Help us to have patience with you as you have patience with us. And let us be people who share you constantly in the world, especially your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.